Welcome to the Raised with Jesus podcast, 10 minutes every day where the life of Jesus meets yours. You've got your daily Bible reading today from Hosea chapter 2. Hosea chapter 2. In the reading of Hosea chapter 2, I will also include the headings that the EHV includes, which are not part of the translated text, but they are helpful. Say to your brothers, my people, and to your sisters, she has been shown mercy. Israel rebuked, punished, and restored. Plead with your mother, plead with her, because she is not my wife, and I am not her husband. Let her put away her sexual immorality from her presence, and her acts of adultery from between her breasts. Otherwise I will strip her naked and expose her as she was on the day she was born. I will make her like a wilderness, I will cause her to be like a dry land, I will cause her to die of thirst. I will have no compassion on her children, because they are children of promiscuity, because their mother has been promiscuous. She who conceived them has acted shamefully. She said, I will chase after my lovers, the ones who give me my food and my water, my wool, my flax, my olive oil, and my drinks. Therefore, this is what I will do. I will block your way with thorns. I will build a wall against her, so that she cannot find her paths." She will chase after her lovers, but she will not reach them. She will seek them, but she will not find them. She will say, I will go back to my first husband, because then it was better for me than it is now. But she would not acknowledge that I gave her the grain, the new wine, and the fresh oil. I gave her large amounts of silver and gold, but her people used it for bail. That is why I will take back my grain during harvest time and my new wine in its season. I will also take away my wool and my flax that were given to cover her nakedness. Then I will expose her shameful nakedness in the sight of her lovers. No one will deliver her from my hand. I will put an end to all her celebration, her pilgrimage festivals, her monthly new moons, and her weekly Sabbaths, all her appointed festivals. I will devastate her vines and her fig trees, about which she she said, These are the payment that my lovers gave to me. I will make them into a scrub forest, and the wild animals will eat the crops. I will punish her for the days with the bales, on which she repeatedly offered incense to them. She adorned herself herself with rings and her jewelry, and then she chased after her lovers, and she forgot me, declares the Lord. But watch, I am going to court her. I will bring her into the wilderness. I will speak tenderly to her. There I will give her vineyards back to her. The valley of Achor will be a door of hope. She will respond there as in the days of her youth, as in the day she came up from the land of Egypt. In that day, declares the Lord, this is what will take place. You will call me my husband. You will no longer call me my master. For I will remove the names of the Baals from her mouth. She will no longer call them by their names. In that day, I will make a covenant for the Israelites with the wild animals, with the birds of the sky and the things that creep on the ground. I will break the bow and the sword. I will abolish war from the land. I will allow the people to lie down safely. I will pledge you to myself in marriage forever. I will pledge you to myself in marriage, with righteousness, justice, mercy, and compassion. In faithfulness, I will pledge you to myself in marriage, and you will know the Lord." In that day, this is what will happen. I will respond, declares the Lord. I will respond to the heavens, and they will respond to the earth. 
the earth will respond to the grain, the new wine, and the fresh oil. They will respond to Jezreel. I will sow her for myself in the land. I will have compassion for Lo-Ruhamah, and I will tell Lo-Ami, You are my people, and he will say, You are my God. This is the word of our God. A quick review of the cast of characters, because this is the subtext and the background for Hosea chapters 1, 2, and 3. Obviously, there's the prophet Hosea, and Hosea was told to take a wife of immorality. Um, the footnote from chapter 1 is helpful in the EHV that the NIV termed it um, a woman of prostitution. But the Hebrew term includes paid prostitution, but it also includes promiscuous sexual immorality, which is not done for money. It also includes sexual misconduct by perpetrators who then paid their lovers off instead of the lover paying the other way around. So anyway, um, we've got Hosea, we've got Gomer. Um, Gomer is this woman of immorality. She has a reputation um, of immorality. I don't know, you can't say much more than that. Uh, then together they have three children. The first is a son that God says to name Jezreel. Looks like Jezreel, but there's an apostrophe in this to assist in the reading. So it's pronounced Jezreel. Um, and the name Jezreel means God sows and is the name of both a valley and a city in Israel. Ahab and Jezebel murdered Naboth at the city of Jezreel, and Jehu destroyed the dynasty of Ahab there. A little bit of history behind that. And so you think um, Ahab and Jezebel. Jezebel was the the princess from Sidon, a Sidonian princess, and she led Ahab astray into the worship of the Baals. And at that place at Jezreel, Wicked Queen Jezebel told Ahab to have Naboth murdered, and then they took his vineyard. So their first son is named Jezreel. Then they have a daughter named Lo-Ruhamah, which means no compassion or no pity. And then they have a son named Lo-Ami, meaning not my people. And these these children and their names are going to come up here in chapter 2, because now God will be referring to those names, and God will be referring to to the people in those names. Say to your brothers, my people, and to your sisters, she has been shown mercy. That's how chapter 2 begins. And that statement at the beginning of chapter 2 is a statement of hope, that this is how the people are to greet one another, that they're, they're supposed to greet one another with the terms that express the end of God's judgment and the renewal of his grace, and thus they would express their unity in a common confession and praise for the mercy of God. Um, but then beginning in verse 2 and following, we've got basically God saying he's going to block off every way um, for this for this unfaithful wife, this unfaithful spouse, which is the nation of Israel. And there it kind of comes to mind the similarity between the word adultery and idolatry, that idolatry is spiritual adultery. And the theme or the motif that God is using here, he's talking about being a husband to his people and his people are unfaithful to him. And they had turned their back on him in idolatry, which is spiritual adultery. And in verses 2 through 13, you have God basically saying that he is going to bring judgment on this unfaithful spouse of him, um, of his, and he is going to block off every way that would lead her away from him. Chapter 2 explains the question, 
how can the doomed children of harlotry, the doomed children of low Ruhama, not my people, and I will have no compassion on them, how can they become children of the living God? And chapter 2 shows that God is this lover who pursues all the way to the very end. Not one bit of his judgment is withheld. The adulterous wife is rejected and degraded. She is thirsty and no pity will be shown to her children. That's verses 2, 3, and 4. Plead with your mother. Plead with her. She is not my wife. Let her put away her sexual immorality. Otherwise, I will strip her naked and make her like the wilderness, cause her to be a dry land. I will cause her to die of thirst. I'll have no compassion on her children because they are the children of promiscuity, because their mother has been promiscuous. And in this, you know, God is very straightforward. He's not, he's not pulling any punches. He's very, being very descriptive in what idolatry really is and what it really means that he has, he has bought his people. He has made them his own. He has brought them to himself and they have turned their backs on him. And verses six through 13 really make it clear that this judgment that God is going to be exacting on his people, the nation of the northern nation of Israel, that this judgment is not the blind fury of an outraged man, but rather that this judgment is disciplinary and restorative, that God's going to block every way for the wayward wife except the way that leads back to him. That's what we see in verses uh, 6, 7, and 8. This is what I will do. I will block your way with thorns. I will build a wall against her so that she cannot find her paths. She will chase after her lovers, but she will not reach them. She will seek them, but not find them. Then she will say, I will go back to my first husband, because it was better for me than it is now. But she would not acknowledge that I gave her the, the grain, the new wine, the fresh oil, the silver and gold that her people used for Baal. So that's verses 6 through 8. God promises to block every way so that she has no choice but to come back to him. But even then, there is not the admission that God had been the one to provide all of their, all of their wealth and all of the fruits of their field. And so verses 9 through 13, he's going to take those gifts away <laughs> that, that she had wasted, take away the gifts that she had sacrificed to the Baals, um, verses 9 through 13. And then, and then at that point, and this is, this is really where the picture of the wife in this chapter and the literal reality of Israel's history really come together, verses 9 through 15, I suppose, um, after Israel has returned to you know, being reduced to begging in the wilderness, then God will begin their history again. That God will allure them, call them back with the blessings and covenant and return to Israel, now restored to faithfulness, and return Israel to the fruitful land of promise and give her future and a hope. That's verses, um, this is verses 9 through 13 really that is why i will take back my grain during harvest time here is god taking back everything that he had given and that she had spent on idolatry spiritual adultery i will take back my new wine i will take away my wool and my flax i will expose her shameful nakedness and no one will deliver her from my hand i'll put an end to all her celebration all her appointed festivals i will devastate her vines and her fig trees i will make them into a scrub forest and the wild animals will eat the crops i'll punish her for the days with the bales on which she repeatedly offered incense to them and then god says verse 14 and 15 this is the real turning point 
but watch, I am going to court her. I will bring her into the wilderness, and I will speak tenderly to her. There I will give her vineyards back to her. The valley of Achor will be a door of hope. She will respond there as in the days of her youth, as in the days she came up from the land of Egypt. In that day, declares the Lord, this is what will take place. You will call me my husband, for I will remove the names of the bales from her mouth. She will no longer call them by their names. And he says really kind of a culminating you know, statement in verse 19, and, and it goes on. Um, and you can read that, review that for yourself. I will pledge you to myself in marriage forever. I will pledge you to myself in marriage with righteousness, justice, mercy, and compassion. So what do we learn? A couple of takeaways. Um, first <laughs> is the fact that idolatry and adultery are spiritually the same thing and that our Lord has has bought you and made you his own in holy baptism. And the imagery that we have here is picked up in the New Testament, and really it's a theme throughout the entire, entire Bible, the imagery that God's people are his bride, and that you are a bride of Christ. You are the bride of Christ. And that picture is carried out all the way through the end of the book of Revelation. And God wants faithfulness. <laughs> he doesn't want you or me to be lost in idolatry, in spiritual adultery. And it might not take the, the, the image of the bales. It might, it might be that, you know, persistent, persistent sin that you think you, that you found a way to excuse. But the reminder, even as in the case of the Israelites, is that our Lord has given to us and done for us far more than we could ever ask or expect or imagine, that he has provided for us each day, even as he has also provided for us the greatest need, that of the forgiveness of sins and a future. And so what do we learn from this? Well, dear friend, consider your own life and where have we strayed from our Lord? And we don't want to put ourselves under God's wrath and under God's judgment, under God's discipline, so that he cuts off everything else and makes life miserable for us until we recognize that fact. Rather, he wants us to heed his word today and recognize, Dear Lord, where has my heart strayed from you? Where have I exerted my own wants and desires above what you say? Where have I excused what you call sinful and hidden and walked away from what you call good. Lord, create in me a clean heart that I may be the beautiful spouse that you have made me to be, the bride of Christ, glowing and radiant and perfect and holy. And that is what our Lord has promised to you and to me that he has called you to be his own, that he has washed you in the waters of holy baptism. He has raised you with Jesus to a new life. So, dear Christian, smile and go on your way that, yes, you have a husband, the Lord, that you, the bride of Christ, belong to him. Thanks much for joining us here at the Raise with Jesus podcast. Be sure to tune in tomorrow for our Thirsty podcast episode with Pastor Zarling and Pastor Leighton. God bless your day.